Blog Talk Radio. Supreme Court, which is 
pretty much his last shot at this. Um, now, the Supreme Court, if you don't know, or if you do, here's a very small number of cases. And, you know, they've only got so much time, and there's always a lot more cases that have that, that apply to be heard by the Supreme Court than the Supreme Court could ever possibly hear. And in this case, it's even more difficult because, sorry, the show is called A Cup of Joe, and I do like to enjoy my cup of joe during the show. Um, that being said, Kyle is basically representing himself pro se, which means he does not have an attorney. Um, I guess his attorney is... The only thing he's doing is acknowledging or filing things on his behalf, uh, but really giving no legal counsel whatsoever. Well, this puts somebody at a disadvantage, a tremendous disadvantage. And um, I think that that's one of the reasons that the Human Solution International Civil Rights Organization exists. You know, there's a lot of groups out there who push for legislation and, you know, raise money for this or that or do all kinds of things. I I believe that, you know, there's merit in that or they wouldn't be doing it. But there really aren't, if any, a lot of groups that focus on a defendant and their rights and whether or not they're in custody um, to us really doesn't matter. Obviously, we realize that if somebody's in custody, they're at even a more disadvantage than being a defendant. Um, and it's one of the things that it's difficult because, you know, we're an all-volunteer organization, which means uh, our turnover is great. Volunteers are uh, the, the best-intentioned, flakiest group of people you ever worked with. And we've been blessed. I don't know if it's just staying with it long enough or if it's uh, just having a one or two people that care enough to keep it going but we've been blessed to have a pretty solid core of people um, that are effectively our leadership and our board and the driving force behind the organization and we have an uncanny ability to rally people together when needed and when people come and ask us for support we typically are able to bring together a decent number of people. And we know things that work. We know how to um, how to organize a court support. We know how to organize a rally. We know how to effective, to effect an informational campaign. We know how to educate people. We know how to approach the media. We know how to deal with um, interviews. And, and we know what not to do, especially. And I, I see so many times, you know, groups get together and, you know, they're going to have a protest or a rally and you, you look at footage of it or you look at the, uh, you know, the the record that's left behind and what you see is something less than uh, effective, something that, you know, you kind of sometimes uh, even cringe a little bit and say, God, I, I am sorry to be connected with that because, that doesn't represent who we are. That doesn't represent us effectively. Uh, you see, you know, freedom fighters are notoriously a, a, a ragtag, motley crew of folks, and we tend to, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, be the Wall Street lookers. 
but the problem with that a lot of times is when you when you show up and you look like you you know you haven't had a shower in a week and you maybe haven't washed your clothes in two weeks um uh, it it tends to put people off and if your goal is to educate people to enlighten people and to uh bring people to an understanding and hopefully to bring support to uh, an event or or an individual or um anything like that it's really important to connect with them and i i can remember um a video i watched i don't know right before my trial in fact and you know i was i was spending a lot of time with a lot of people and having to be in the midst of people i wouldn't normally be in and having to ask for help from people that i wouldn't normally have asked for help and having to deal with people that i particularly didn't want to deal with but they were willing to step up for this case that they recognized represented more than my freedom in my case but represented the the movement as a whole represented uh humanity as a whole represented um civil rights and 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 our basic constitutional rights as a whole and so i this this video was from a guy by the name of Patch Adams and he was a real guy uh you know they did a movie about him Robin Williams played the character and he's a doctor and he'd go around and he would uh, set up these clinics and and help people he's very much a philanthropist he he donated his time and and gave of himself um uh, so much so that uh he's become an icon and he's a speaker and and a, a, an inspirational character and i and i watched this uh, speech that he had done and it, it moved me to tears cuz it was so real and and one of the points that he made was that when we're doing the right thing when we're truly in our place in this world you know we're all human beings we all have um the capacity to create and destroy we have the fire of hell within us and we have the creative spark of the divine with us both at the same time and it's our free will and our choice and our desires that dictate which what what energies we bring light to and when we realize that we have the capacity to make the world better and we decide to take action um it becomes difficult because you realize that the world is full of uninformed um ignorant people and i by ignorant i don't mean stupid i mean uninformed i mean people that don't know any better any different and they believe a stream of information that's fed to them on a carousel and uh they act accordingly and when you understand a truth or you understand a a cause uh to be real and important and you seek to reach them patch adams put it very plainly he said you know for those of us that that seek to be a part of the universal solution that what we have to do is find a language that will reach across that ba- barrier and and connect with those people that we want to we have to find that language and uh patch adams as a doctor he found that language in humor and he would you know put on a clown nose and and go in and and make people laugh he found that to be the language that could cross over fear to cross over the unknown to cross over all the things that 
keep people in you know health situations um, in a worse place, and he was able to bring them across to a better place by the use of that language. And in the the movement, it, it's it's difficult sometimes because you know the, there's a lot of so-called activists that are out there with bullhorns and 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 doing what they're doing. But so many of them, you know, when you get to know them or you try to work with them, um, have their own agendas and they have their own um, course of action that most of the time, at least some of the time, uh, is different than um, than the greater good. And, and so as the human solution has moved forward, um, it's been difficult for us because we've stayed the course. <laughs> when we were originally formed, we had a mission, and it was to educate and support uh, victims of the drug war, especially those people that were um, caught up in, in criminal trials. And that spread to a bunch of family law cases, and that spread to a prison outreach program. But the fundamental goal was always to in prohibition and to support those people um, that were fighting for it and ultimately, um, you know, had fallen victim. And I don't use the word victim lightly. I don't like to use the word victim. I, I don't believe in victimhood. Um, but I have been raided. I have had handcuffs put on me. I have been incarcerated numerous times. I've been railroaded in a trial. I have been victimized. So I do know that um, even though I chose not to be a victim in the situation and ultimately became victorious, um, I, I realized that you can be a victim, that, that most people um, don't have that inner strength that it takes to just keep going no matter what. And um, most people require some support to even have a chance at, at standing up and being victorious. And the truth is, if enough people stand up, uh, ultimately, that's all we need to do to win. Ultimately, you know, as I've said so many times, I quote Abraham Lincoln, um, that with public sentiment, anything is possible. And um, I believe that. And when our public sentiment of the nation is um, that we don't want prohibition anymore, we don't want there to be uh, that this plant is to be a crime anymore. We don't want that. And when we're not willing to accept that anymore, that's when it'll change. It's not going to be at the behest of any particular law, and it's not going to be at the behest of some magic number of states passing laws. And, you know, all of these groups and people that have been so confident that all we have to do is get the right amount of signatures, well, that's helpful. Don't get me wrong. It's important. It's a part of this. But frankly, it's more than that. It's when the will of the people says, you know what, this is bullshit. We're done with it. We're not going to support anymore these cases where somebody gets locked up and have their freedoms and their property taken because they decided to have or grow or transport or sell or whatever a plant. And that it's just not acceptable anymore to be convicting these people and it's not acceptable anymore to be reelecting um, officials that support these policies. And when we make those decisions, that's when it's going to change. It really doesn't matter what the law says. If you look at the law, the, the states where uh, we've passed laws, medical and recreational, you'll look at the arrest records 
and on the surface it'll appear that arrests are down, but you will find that there are still no shortage of criminal cases involving those very things that are supposed to be made accessible and, and legal, with giant quotes around it. Um, Washington, Colorado, Oregon, California, Washington, D.C., the list goes on, the beat goes on, all of those states. If you go into their drug courts, you will find out that actually people are getting arrested and they are getting charged and they are getting tried and they are getting convicted and they are becoming felons for the very things that we believe were already passed. And for a long time, there were so many people that believed that, hey, when we hit 26 states, we're going to be fine because, like, whenever you get 26 states, that's more than half. And, like, the law says this. I said, well, you show me that law because it doesn't exist. There is no common law, anything uh, in, in America. There's no, there's no common law uh, if a certain amount of states decide to do something that's against federal law that the feds have to change their policy, there's nothing anywhere that says that. And lo and behold, they didn't. So, you know, I wasn't going to do a tirade today, but we got talking about Kyle Caitlin, and I started talking about why we're here. And, you know, it's it, it's important enough to get into. Um, you know, we're here to end prohibition straight up. Kyle, I've, I've spoken with him twice in the last couple of weeks from prison, and the truth is, even if he gets heard in the Supreme Court, um, the chances are he's not. It's it's he's going to have served his sentence before any ruling, anything gets undone. The odds of this amicus brief um, having anything to do with his actual freedom or his his you know getting released early is pretty slim. But Kyle realizes that this case is not about him. This case is not about him being in or out of prison. He's taken a, a really crappy situation and made the best of it. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of points from that. Uh, when he first got taken in, I think he was still in Pima County, which if anybody's been incarcerated, the, the county jails are some of the very worst of the worst places to be in. Um, in many cases, in many ways, much worse than the actual state prisons, even though there's maybe some worse people sometimes in the state prisons. Uh, there's facilities. You have some kind of rights. Uh, you get fed halfway decent food. Um, you have a yard to be outside and get some sunshine in. There's commu- you know, there's things to do. There's resources. There's schools. There's um, uh, law libraries to access. I mean, there are things that you can do in a state prison that you have no access to in county. So, um, you know, the nature of the piece is still tough. There's, you know, idiots that will try to show their dominance over you, and you're likely uh, to get in a fight. You're likely to get, you know, your ass kicked. You're likely to get hurt. And same thing happened to Kyle. Kyle's the next military guy. He knows how to hold his own. He could he could have fought and done probably okay, but he got whacked up the back of the head and he sat there and he didn't do anything about it. He just sat there and he took it um, so much so that he ended up getting hospitalized over it. Then he got out and uh, a couple of guys roughed him up again. And what happened was when an incident report comes down, um, you know, the, the wardens, the, the guards decide who was to blame. Um, and usually they're, 
you know, pretty liberal liberal about handing out punishments. Um, you know, there's a special kind of person that is a prison guard and 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 works in a place like that. So uh, Kyle actually got you know reprimanded. He got some kind of a of a um, I don't know what they call it in Fed prison. They call it a shot um, in different state prisons. They call it different things. But he got a, a demerit. He got some kind of a mark against him. And what that did was that it it made him not qualify for some things that somebody with a perfect record might qualify for. Um, he didn't fight that. He, I mean, he tried to fight it. He he filed an appeal. It was denied. Um, he somehow kept a, a good attitude about this. Uh, jails and prisons are a place to, that people can go bitter really quickly. Uh, people can go dark really easily. It's a it's a it's an easy place to be dark and angry. Um, but Kyle somehow has held it together. Um, he's now a tutor and is helping people uh, get their high school diplomas, and he's he's doing good work in a really crappy situation. So, um, and that's not particularly why we're supporting him, but that's why I have taken a personal interest in the case. Is that number one, he was a true victim in this, um, even if. He had somehow technically broken Arizona's law. He didn't do anything that would warrant a two-year prison sentence. And he got two uh, separate sentences that, that he's serving concurrently, which means at the same time, rather than consecutively, which means stacked one after the other. So when he's done with the longest sentence, um, his his sentence will be over. And... Um, you know that's it's it's a it's a sort of a situation where most people um would go dark and and you know either um i don't know be sort of helpless and live on the support of others outside and just be glad that somebody cared or they would um you know turn off and Kyle's got uh, uh, the good fortune to have a family that cares. He's got a brother and a, and, and, and parents that are very supportive. And um, there's still a handful of people out here that have cared. We had um, a conference call yesterday about this amicus brief, and we at least had one person come in from the outside. And uh, I've been in contact with that person since then, and he's got an attorney that um, he's going to reach out to over the weekend that might be able to be helpful. So what Kyle said is, look, if I can get the Supreme Court to hear this case and they rule in my favor that some of the things that happened that were truly um, a violation of my constitutional rights well, might get addressed. And even though it's not going to help me, even though it's not going to necessarily probably get me out of jail early, it will possibly pave the way for somebody else that's in a similar situation to not have to go through what I went through. And it will possibly cause a judge to think twice before denying um, a right, civil rights. Judges um, do not want to be overturned in their rulings. They don't want their cases to be appealed. And when it does, it can be devastating. You know, the judge that was in my case actually retired after we overturned his verdict. And uh, he's no longer on the bench. Um, 
there's been many cases where, you know, uh, especially a senior judge who's been on the bench for a long time, prides himself on, on not having been appealed, not having had a ruling overturned. And when you can fracture that, you can break that that wall. It's kind of a, you know, it's a ceiling, a glass ceiling, that if you can break through that, and, and it's not going to happen easy, but we, the thing that we have in America is we have a system that has that potential. We have, we have a system that allows for there to be justice. It doesn't demand it. I wish it did. Um, there's ways around the justice all day long, and career politicians, you know, skirt it constantly. But it does have a place that if you have a quali- qualified team of people or an individual who knows the law and knows how to execute uh, procedures within the law, it has a system built in place that can and should find um, a problem with due process and be able to go back and reverse whatever wrongdoing was done and give an individual a chance at a fair trial. And that's what we're looking at here. Uh, If a judge gets overturned here, Probably he'll think twice before he does that again. A prosecutor ends up, instead of getting a win on this case, a loss, he's going to rethink his position. Um, You know, prosecutors don't like to lose, and it's the same deal. You know, most of the prosecutors out there have a big winning record, and the reason why is, number one, they don't take on cases they won't lose. Most people plead out deals even that they might win. And when a prosecutor takes a case to trial, typically – um, typically he's got a slam dunk. So, um, you know, that's how they climb up the ladder. That's how they, that's how they move it forward. And, and, and that's how, um, you know, unfortunately the corruption has, has leached its way into our, you know, it wasn't my opinion, a fairly brilliant, uh, system of government. Um, so anyways, we're going to work on this, uh, amicus curiae and, what we have to work with is um, a copy of um, a copy of the appeal that Kyle had put in, or at least the, the major points, his pro se handwritten um, appeal to the Supreme Court. We also have a copy of uh, a brief that lays out the um, – I'm sorry, I'm losing my – Train of thought here, the the appeal itself, and it, and it does point out the state's point of view with the appeal itself. We also have a copy of a um, uh, another group has filed a motion to be heard as an amicus curiae, and we have that copy of that, and so. We're hoping to be able to take what we got from them and uh, apply some research that we have, and we're going to bring some more people live on the air right now or very soon, and we're going to basically have an open house discussion and uh, craft our version of this um, through this show today. I don't know if Craig's going to be calling in today. It's just about the time that he's going to call, so... Um, What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a couple of calls. We basically have a few...
people that have updates that they want to bring in. So um, we're going to bring in Galen Fisher and Lori Murphy from our San Diego chapter. I mean, I'm sorry, Las Vegas, Nevada. What was I thinking San Diego for? And uh, they're going to tell us a little bit about what they're thinking and a little bit about what's going on in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then I've got Becca Nichols, and we're going to sit and uh, uh, get some work done on this thing. We'll see how far it goes. I don't know if we're going to do a full two-hour show today, but if I've got enough people that um, have input uh, and we get enough work to do, then we will go as long as we need to. So we have regular to the show, uh, Galen Fisher, Lori Murphy, and you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. You can hear us okay? Yeah, yeah. You sound like you're a little like you're on speaker, but if you bring it close enough to your mouth, it'll be all right. Or not, or do what they've been doing and enforce it when they feel like it. 
Exactly. And I think a lot of people don't understand, like, the state's position is wonderful. It's like, great, your state is this, your state is that. However, the state itself is con- is composed. What is the state? The state is, are you the state or are you the people? Or, or are you small set? And you have to really figure out where you're at in that because there are certain um, segments uh, of the government or the state or however the political um, theater is that has vetted interest into, you know, in cannabis. And so with that being said, it's a little hard to say, uh, you know, if I was if I was going to open up something like a laundry mat or something like that and if there or if I was if there was anything that I was saying that was against the the the, the mainstream agenda saying if I say hey look chlorine is bad for you don't use it don't use starch don't use these products and if I said that or propagated it in any way I would be lambasted and basically hung on a cross <laughs> sort of and and I think that's what we face now and, and so now it's like turning the turning the tide and educating everybody to find out exactly I mean, I mean day to day because yesterday's education is not good today. I'm sorry. The law changes every day. Every day that we figure it out, they're gonna switch it up. And it's like, oh my goodness, what what the heck did I do wrong today? Did I you know, is I, my twelve do they have a sniff a sniffometer? What is it called? <laughs> the sniffometer where they can detect it with and it's causing a public ordinance issue where the smell is radiating and it's like oh my goodness like who came up with this and so you know those are the yeah, things they've that we got look all at, kinds of uh of devices now they can detect traces of of cannabis in the in the roof lining of your vehicle and there's been a number getting, of cases yeah, that crazy. have been they've used that they got some kind of probable cause and they and they just stuff, happen man. to spray their fancy stuff and detect the presence of marijuana and from that point forward um you know a criminal case gets developed exactly and i'll keep it straight to the point and, and get off the and get off the line real quick because i have so much to say but you know it's just not a conversation with you it's a conversation with everybody and i want everybody to know that um i see a lot pretty much everybody sees the headlines today i read through different sources of media, and I see three governors are putting forth this bill, and uh, marijuana, uh, cannabis stock is going this way, and this, and, and all signs say, "Hey, it's it's good and great." However, there's still people like Cecil Moore, uh, what's his name? Uh, Craig, Craig Cecil. I always say it wrong, Cecil Craig, and Craig yeah, Cecil. Craig Cecil are, yep. Yeah, I always say it's, I always say it backwards, but it's still people like Craig Cecil and and uh, and countless others who are uh, still going for for the smallest things, for the smallest of things. It's not like this is a five thousand pound or something. Even if it was, it was still a tomato. So, but it, it's it's the smallest things. It's just and you have to look between the lines. And I say, well, what is the real crime here? Who is the real person? The people were hurt. Where's the real victim? The victim is going to wind up being not only that person but the community because even they saying, oh, this person didn't pay taxes, this, this person didn't pay. Well, guess who's going to pay taxes on their living environment for the next however long the judges give it them? Guess who's going to pay taxes on the upgrades to that facility? <laughs> and so it, yep, it wound up. true. And it wound up being the same thing all over again, and, and it's no help. And then on top of that, you have – the family members of that person who was trying to, you know, and it's, and it's just, 
I read something about uh, in Oregon, uh, there was a bill introduced right now by a representative and a senator in Oregon, and 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 I'm kind of, I kind of got a little positive feeling about that, a little confidence in that, because it's coming from from that angle. But still, when anything time that I see anything that says regulate like alcohol, marijuana like alcohol, I'm kind of like scared. And it's just the 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 hidden hand in, in that in that uh in that writing that is synonymous throughout all of that that legalization that language throughout whatever state is in Oregon California uh, Florida Maine when I see anything alcohol and and regulate like mar- uh, marijuana regulate like alcohol I see a hidden hand in there and I just like hmm and there's another agenda there. There's another agenda, and it's not in prohibition. It's not. It's not. It's it's something else. It's something self. It's something selfish, not selfless. To put it to put it straight. Well, I couldn't point. agree more. And you know, there's there's uh, very few similarities really between cannabis and alcohol, and um, you know, um, the difference between something that anybody can produce for themselves, and you have to have uh, fairly. Um, extravagant uh, equipment to make, and one can be grown. One is produced as a as a product and needs to almost be regulated because it's a food product. Whereas cannabis is is an herb and it can be. Hey, they, need food. Sugar, they need to regulate sugar. If you ask me, Joe. <laughs> well, that's just we need it. to worry you know, about regulating that way more than standard food and drug. You know, FDA rules that are just the same as, you know, any kind of food product, um, that would be one thing. But alcohol gets its own specific set of rules that's beyond the food part of it, and I don't see that as a parallel with cannabis. Uh, alcohol has all kinds of, uh, of pitfalls um, that are make it much, much more dangerous than cannabis, and it's also something that Again, not everybody can make their own alcohol where anybody could grow a plant and to try to regulate one as the other just makes not a lot of sense. Uh, well, Galen, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that, you know, this is sort of the drumbeat of this show is that, you know, ending prohibition is the answer. And if we overregulate everything, um, you know, I, I, I see these sort of uh, libertarian-type uh, uh memes and whatnot and people talking about freedom and and you think about what you know what freedoms do we really have right now you know uh, we still more or less have a first amendment we still have kind of free speech but everything else everything else is heavily regulated taxed and otherwise absolutely um, prohibited you don't have a, and nowadays we don't that, i'm sorry to cut you off but nowadays we don't have a free we need we need to have a freedom to exercise our freedoms you know what i mean we, we don't. Freedom act. We've been res- we've been restricted on exercising our freedoms, Joe. And that's that's something that you know it didn't happen all at once, and it's happened one little bit at a time. And and you know that's where the government takes advantage of adversity. You know, and that's why uh, things like terrorism and 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 you know just straight up assholeism um, always goes against us because the government uses exactly and that- every time something happens. To say, well, we got to protect you a little bit more, it. and we're going to take away a little something, but don't worry, we're going to protect you more because of it. It's going to keep you safe. And I just want, and we go and with okay, that, I just, and 
You're right. And, Joe, I just want to say with that, because Lori touched on something that happened out here in Las Vegas. There was a uh, a tragedy that happened between uh, some young a uh, young lady who lost her life, uh, uh, two young kids I, I obviously set her up or whatever, try to rob her attemptedly, and, you know, she lost her life over, you know, uh, some dry, uh, nothing. She lost her life over nothing, over foolishness. But the media will put it as she lost her life because of a something else. And they'll say that, uh, you know, these individuals were, and they'll put it all, they'll take away from her life and they'll put the attention and the focus on the tr- the activity or the behavior that led to that. And you're talking about a set, two 17-year-olds and a 19-year-olds. And my, my condolences and, and, and it goes out to the family, to, to the to young lady who lost her life. And it's just foolishness. But that, that type of behavior does not represent not even 0.0089% of the community. You can't even attribute... No, it's true. You can't even attribute cannabis to their behavior. Their behavior was uh, can be attributed to society and, and the influences that they were, you know, basically <laughs> that led them up to that. Now, and 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 that's just bottom line truth. But the 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 paper out here is owned by a proponent of cannabis who spent three million dollars on anti-cannabis legis- legislation. And he owns the newspaper out here. So when he gets something like that, you know, they're going to put it on front page. And then the majority of the people who see that, what, how do they, you know, they see somebody else coming into court, and these are going to be the jurors. These are going to be the 12 that are going to judge. And so we have to change the perception. And I know, Joe, you, you and the Human Solution, everybody that I know that you've introduced me to have done nothing but that changed the perception altogether and it made made me just say hey you guys got to be responsible you guys can't do that here hey you got and i've come almost i'm almost come uh almost a, a, a super advocate where i'm like hey guy you can't light that up right here i don't mean that in a bad way i'm in no way uh, uh but you know i'm just respectful and and i understand yep. that you know my actions are not only going to, I'm, if I fall and scrape my knee or bust my tooth or lose my tooth, then that's my tooth. But if I fall and it causes somebody else to scrape their knee, then that's 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 terrible. That's yep. terrible. I can tell exactly you, you know what I mean. And that's and yep. that's what we all have to be careful of. That's what we all mind because somebody else might my you know my grandmother she passed last year she couldn't take a a fall like I could take a fall. You know what I mean? It's just sure, it's, it's different. And so we have to be mindful of that. But, Joe, I'm going to get off the phone. I've, I've got to call you and talk to you personally because I feel like I was always talking to you when I talk to when I call you on a radio <laughs> show and I talk to all the listeners. Thank you to everybody well, who uh, listened to me and, 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 um, and dealt with me just trying to get my words out. My thoughts kind of – they say that we can think at a somewhat of um, 550 or listen to 550 words per, mic, for, per, per second or per minute, but we can only – Speak it at you know half of that, so my apologies for the flattering. <laughs> All right, well, you know, Gillen, like I said, it's always it's always bigger than ourselves. The conversation's always bigger than you or me, and that's what this is all about. That's why we do this show. 
That's why there's a record of this show. If anybody missed it, they can always go back and listen. And you know what? That's what it is. It's about making the world a better place. All right, thank you very much again, Lori and Galen from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, they head up our chapter out there, and uh, we're just fighting the fight. All right, so um, we're going to go ahead and um, give Tom Corby a chance to do his update, and then we're going to dig into the work, and we'll see how long it takes us. And if anybody is listening right now and uh, uh, wants to get involved in the conversation, I'm going to bring Becca Nichols live with me, and we're going to we're going to do some work. You guys get to listen in, or if you want to participate in this amicus curiae brief. Um, you can hang up and call back and thank you, Becca, for um, taking over the uh, screening. And uh, at any time, if you're listening on this show and you go, hey, wait a minute, I want to say something, and you're already on the line, well, there's two ways you can do this. One is guaranteed if you hang up and call back, and Becca will pick up the phone today and she will ask you, uh, who are you, what are you here for? And you get a chance to say, I got something to say. Or um, you can click, uh, press the number one button, and it'll bump you up from wherever you are in this list of callers. Uh, it'll bump you up at least one. It might push you up to the top. And if I notice that, which there's no guarantee of that, but if I do happen to notice that, I will realize that you do have something that you want to say. Um, I want to let everybody know that the Human Solution International uh, is working directly with the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network, and we're very grateful to have an opportunity to have our show here on the air. And there's a bunch of amazing programming that goes on throughout the week on this very same network. So big shout-out to the Coffee Party. All right, so Tom Corby usually brings up the rear in this show, um, but this is our opportunity to see what's happening up at NorCal. And, again, this is going to be, um, you know, we're going to spend more time just having a conversation about a project today. So, uh, Tom Corby, you are live on the air, and welcome to the show. <clears throat> oh, thanks, Joe, Becca, and Bobby Rodrigo, always in a party, talking <clears throat> radio. Can you hear me okay, Joe? Yeah, yeah, you sound loud and clear today. Good. I'm trying to learn to talk into the phone. Um, uh, it makes a big difference. Yes, it sure does. And you're always so clear. I hear. Well, I'm just loud. <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard. I'm used to coming in later. I've been out cutting I know, wood. but I do that sometimes. I just, like, flip the ball upside okay. down and say, what you got? Well, it's okay. I uh, don't have a whole lot, NorCal. Um, of course, we have. Uh, and thanks, uh, Lisa Gordon, uh, for coming Hard for Kurt Short. Um, talked on the radio show last week. Uh, his case is so sad. Uh, it's actually uh, Chris Conrad took the stand today, and it's been brought out how they beat him up. And this is what happens. It's almost feels like they get off on that. I know that when uh, I got busted, Joe will tell you. And I went to jail, and my wife and I, for four days, how they violated and abused me and threw me in solitary uh, with my balls flapping, if you will. It's so sad how they treat us like we're abnormal. Uh, Kurt Short, uh, 
is up uh, with the Judge McIntosh hearing. Uh, I believe it's probably a motion hearing. Uh, he's, uh, yesterday, uh, Lisa Gordon reports that it'll probably go all week. Um, local court support is always requested. Uh, I'm going to try to get down there tomorrow with Dr. Allen and be there for Kurt Short. Uh, no one yeah, I didn't see that on our for- calendar. I didn't really know anything about it. Yes, well, it's been posted on Facebook, and uh, it did uh, post. I don't it, spend a lot of time on Facebook. I I really encourage well, everybody I, to use our calendar. We've got a great one, and you know, if you think that Facebook is going to reach everybody, it didn't reach me. I I just now caught wind of this thing. Well, of course, we want to use the the calendar at thsintl dot org and post our events. Uh, I, I don't see many people posting now. I, I know that Mary Don my phone just dropped to the floor. Uh, I, I know that <laughs> I know that Mary Donnelly uh, is very busy. Uh, I never mind uh, uh, posting in the calendar for folks. It's important when you post in the calendar to have a headline. Uh, also, uh, it's, it's important to have the date, the time uh, is so important. Without the time, we cannot post uh, on the calendar. I see so many times people will send me, uh, like Benos or some uh, that, and I see uh, finally Benos is up to the 28th for uh, the Count 6 manufacturing. That's this month. Uh, uh, up there at 1655 West Street, and I finally got the time at 9 a.m. And of course, uh, Joe, uh, Joseph Tully's there, represented him, and uh, there's nobody like Joe Tully when it comes to jury trial. Uh, I just remembered to breathe. <laughs> it does help me. Uh, <laughs> Always good. Got to breathe both ways, in and out. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, so you're going to get up this way soon. I uh, hope it uh, looks like Alex Lyons uh, may be going to trial. I kind of doubt uh, he had his uh, uh, j- jury trial selection postponed uh, April 3rd. Uh, Jennings uh, was FTA, uh, failed to appear. Uh, is he running hiding? Uh, we really feel that uh, DA Jennings is. is- this case and he's being pushed the CDAs are being pushed by the DA Ramsey and seems to have to get something no matter uh, we always look at the, uh, the word infraction that you brought out last week Joe uh, so Alex Lyons goes <coughs> goes on 420 uh, that's, uh, uh, 420 yes it's 420 uh, goes on to uh, another t- trial Readiness conference. What's that say? Well, when I came for Alex, my, my partner and my neighbor, uh, I was a caretaker up at his farm, and I, I got him. I uh, at least a post property signs and told them that they, if the court enforcement comes, to make sure they have a warrant. Thank God they did the second time. Uh, Alex Lyons, I told him, even though he waived his rights to waive time, it'll probably go on because on these 
settlement conference, nothing ever gets settled. The DBA is always going to try to make you some BS pre-deal. On the other hand, your only mindset is 995 dismissal, and you keep coming with that. The probable cause to search on the trial. Joe said if, if just 7 to 10% of folks would take them on the trial, they could not do this. They can't do it. They can't afford it. I bet they spent 3 or $4 million on Donna and I's six pre-trials alone. Uh, it's so sad. Uh, our course of injustices. Uh, so come and join us. Help you the solution to find the end this failed war on cannabis. We know that it was illegal in the first place with Randolph Hearst, DuPont, Mitchell, Nixon, and uh, follow the big money always. Uh, we want to, our mindset is uh, we want not only to deschedule, we want no schedule at all. It should have never been scheduled to be treated like a tomato. It's just a plant. I'm a disturbing fact. I've been using cannabis for 50 years, folks. Think about that. Oh, my family, my moms and aunts have all passed on with cancer. Why haven't I? Maybe because I'm getting the cannabinoids, my body needs to help fight off the evil, dreaded cancer. Uh, Okay, Uh, I want to thank you, Joe. And all those on the front line coming together to help and prohibition and free all our POWs as no one should go to jail for a plan. Thank you all today. And Donna will say, I don't forget to breathe. Well, thank you so much, Tom Corby. As always, you're uh, a local hero. And, you know, you demonstrate to anybody that uh, what, what one person can do. We talk about the power of one we talk about how important it is to take action. You know, we put the action in activism, and, you know, a lot of people think activism means you sit in front of your computer and you click shit on Facebook. And, you know, as a lot of people find out, you post something on Facebook, not everybody pays attention to that. Not everybody will see it or know about it. And it takes actual action. It takes people to get out there. You know, I I spend my life in the real world. I really spend very little time, if any, on Facebook, and even though I might post something, it'll usually be from my phone, putting it out there, and that's about it. I don't I don't see, I get invitations, hundreds of invitations every day. I don't see them, um, and so, you know, that's why we built a website. That's why we built a voice, a beacon, a lighthouse that's out there specifically for this, and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking when uh, we have cases that I know could be a benefit from our support. Um, you know, even uh, Shauna Banda's hearing last week, I never heard from them afterward. I don't know what happened. Apparently there's articles that have been posted on Facebook and whatever, but I, I never heard from them. I don't know what happened. There's not another date posted on our calendar, and uh, it's unfortunate. Um, it, I just know that we could do so much more for so many more people if more people would participate through the vehicle and the the resources that we've created. And that's why we're focusing our attention on those people that are reaching out and specifically, um, you know, coming and saying, can you help us in this particular way? And that's where the amicus curiae is coming from. So Kyle Caitlin specifically reached out to me 
and said, Joe Grumbine, can uh, the human solution help out and 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 create a, a friend of the court brief and hopefully have a difference, make a difference, and hopefully help the Supreme Court to decide that this case is important enough to hear? And I said, sure, that's what we're here for. So for anybody who, um, you know, uh, knows about the human solution, knows what we're capable of, um, and thinks it's just going to happen because you think it, um, please, you got to take action. you got to reach out. you got to make that first move and the second move and the third move. It's your freedom at stake. And if you want the help, you got to ask for it, and we will be there. Um, all right, well, once again, thank you so much, Tom Corby. It's always a pleasure, and I do look forward to coming up there um, you know, hell, maybe even getting a little fishing in. I'd certainly like it. We've got enough water in the streams this year. Hopefully we can uh, uh, get a little enjoyment. All right, so now we're going to get to work. Um, I've got with me Becca Nichols, um, one of my one of my right-hand folks. I, I, would, I would be very um, – we would be a very weak organization without her, I can tell you that. So um, Becca has uh, been so useful and so helpful in so many ways. And now I'm relying on you for one more thing. We're going to um, start piecing this thing together. Um, now, we had a conference call yesterday, and um, we had a handful of people that were on it, and we had some discussion about the amicus curiae. And um, we did have, um, what's his name, Isaac, the guy from uh, Safer Arizona. Anyways, we had um, a local in Arizona that attended the the call, and he had reached out to an attorney. See, it appears, and we, we don't have – did you get any more confirmation about uh, what it takes to file a, a brief to be uh, approved as an amicus curiae? Yes, I did. Okay. What did you find out? From what I can, from what I can gather from what I read, I want to verify further, but um, – we just need the permission of the parties involved. So we need his permission to file a brief. And we don't okay, well, need we have attorney. Kyle's permission, but I think we have to we have to ask the court. That's part of um the court's not going to just automatically um accept our brief because we submit it. They we I'm I'm fairly confident that we have to file uh, a request to the court, a motion that actually says, you know, we we come to you, court, um, in hopes of, of presenting an amicus curiae brief. Will you allow this? And yes, I, I the think big we should follow normal's example on that. Yeah, I think so too. Now, the biggest question is, do we need to be a member of the bar in order to file this, or are we able to file this um, as a, an independent organization? Um, as long I as couldn't we do find it right. anything that said we had to be an attorney. Nothing I found said that. Okay. All There's right. A well, that's good to know. All the time. Uh, We're a nonprofit. Right. It, it didn't sound yeah. like we needed an attorney to do this. Okay. Well, that's going to be Which something that I'd like to do. We, most Go people ahead. can do what whatever they need to do in the courts without an attorney. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense right. that we exactly. would not need an attorney to do it. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, if, if somebody represents themselves pro se, they just have to still follow the same rules of court yes, that everybody else exactly. does. But it doesn't – you don't have to have passed the bar to represent yourself no. in a criminal case. And so no. – uh, but if you don't know the rules of court, 
you will not be able to do everything you particularly set out to. And I, I've watched that happen in, in a number of cases. So I think it's going to be most important that we do figure out these. What I'd like to do, um, Becca, are you at a computer right now? Yeah, I've got a document open, ready to go. Okay, so you have a Google Doc open? Yep. Okay, perfect. So um, for everybody that's listening right now, um, we we do a lot of, you know, we're an international organization with no budget. <laughs> so how the hell do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how you do it. You do it with conference calls and Google Docs. That's how we do <laughs> yep. it. And so, you know, we have members literally all across the country, in, in other countries. Um, <clears throat> we have a limited, very, very limited resources, and we certainly don't have funds to be flying people around to uh, to big meetings. So what we do is the thing that makes the most sense. We um, have conference calls and we use shared documents to write on them. And then what that allows us to do is <coughs> multiple people can work on a project. And we've done everything from uh, literally write our bylaws, um, uh, fill out our application for the 501c3, um, create our code of conduct and our our uh, handbook, which was a mammoth project, um, all the way down to simple court support strategies. We use this; it's a very, very effective tool. So, if you wish to be part of this, um, what do you say? What's the best way? Should they reach you or me or both? Probably Somebody me. Somebody wants to get. All right, so go ahead. Give them. What do they need to get, become part my of this? My email. My email address is thsibeccan at gmail dot com, or you can reach out to me on Facebook. Perfect. So how this works is really simple. Um, you'll get you'll get be granted access um, to view and comment onto a document. We're not going to give everybody full editing permission because it gets complicated and somebody can accidentally cause harm. But we'll give you the ability to um, uh, view everything that's on it and post a comment, and then Becca will be able to uh, um, add to this as needed. I think in this case, since we're opening it up outside of our inner circle, I think it's best that we move forward that way. Um, I'd like to maybe, uh, you know, set sort of a timeline, not a timeline, but a, an outline of what we need to do. Um, that and would it appears that, good, good. And I think that, you know, for the next several shows, we can dedicate some portion of the show to this project rather than having a bunch of conference calls. You know, we can get people to call into the show and we can do it here mm -hmm. uh, unless we have a really – you know, jam-packed show, which, you know, most of the time we do, but this week has, for whatever reason, been a slow week. Um, so on this outline, I know that we initially need to file a brief or a file a motion with the court um, to, to request an amicus curiae status. And so for everybody who's listening who doesn't know what amicus curiae is, it essentially means friend of the court. And it's a position that a third party, that's neither the prosecution nor the defense, um, is filing a motion typically on behalf of the defendant or the appellant 
the person who is under fire um, in support of one or more of their positions. And the way I understand it, I did speak with Bobby Rodrigo, who has um, some decent experience with this. He said he was going to reach out to some attorneys um, looking for some pro bono help. But as we all know, um, pro bono help is hard to come by. Um, you know, most attorneys are busy. Most good attorneys are really busy. And most attorneys that offer any pro bono service have a thousand uh, bits of demand for every bit of, of supply they have. So it's going to be very difficult for us to think that, uh, you know, some attorney is just going to come along and give us their time. I did have one attorney I reached out to, and, of course, first words, not first words, First words out of her mouth was, sure, I can do it. And then in a subsequent text message I got, are you guys going to be able to pay for this? <laughs> you know. And when I said no, but I'm pretty sure we can offer you a tax write-off for your time, I never heard back. And you know what, that's just typical. Um, you know, there's a lot of great attorneys out there. Joseph Tolley is a great attorney in the, in the court uh, doing some great work. Is he going to have time to help us? I doubt it. He might. If he does, I'd be really, really glad to have her. Um, we had, um, shoot, who's the other one? The lady that, that was, was on here, not Sarah, but um, uh, not Jen Ani, but there was another one that oh. came on. Anyway, you, you yeah. know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. I'll see if I can't reach can't out to her. Name, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> that's what That's what <laughs> happens, though. They don't keep in touch. Um, you know, there's Mike Sindrich, who supposedly was going to be helpful. Matt Pappas, who's said yes to a thousand yep. things and um, done two of them. Um, you know, all of these people that, you know, are either overwhelmed, overburdened, or pathological liars. I don't know which it is, but it, it, it never <laughs> seems to work well for the recipient of said pro bono work. Um, once in a blue moon it does, but very seldom. That being said, I'm going to take it on ourselves. We're going to hoist this up on our shoulders, and we're going to do the legwork, and we're going to do the very best we can. At the same time, we're going to um, continually reach out to qualified attorneys. Now, this guy from Safer, Arizona, did reach out to the attorney that um, we were talking about uh, mm -hmm. that had filed, or his office, I'm not sure exactly what he did, but either he had drafted or he was somehow the head of this office for um, the motion that was written and filed with the court. Uh, he apparently, you know, was interested but really busy. Um, this guy says there's another person who um, is capable in Arizona, and he's going to reach out to her this weekend. Also, Mike Harris, um, one of the Human Solution Board members, as well as our uh, media, one of our media people, um, he found an attorney who is uh, in registered with the bar both in Arizona and California, and he's reached out to her. So we haven't heard back from okay. her yet, but if it turns out, you know, that any of these people could be a paralegal, it could be a court clerk, it could be just anybody who's got personal experience with this. I just know this. I know Kyle's a good guy. I know he got um, burned in his trial, 
and I know what that feels like, and I know that he recognizes that he could make a difference to the next person who would be to step in his shoes. And I respect the hell out of that, and that's why I'm willing to, you know, dedicate this show and, and, and my personal time to, to making that happen. Um, and I think you should too. Um, and I think you should find an attorney or, or, or some legal professional that's willing to dig in and help so that we can do this well. Now, that's the first part of this. The second part of this is last week I issued a, a, a challenge to other groups uh, to do the same, to follow suit, to, to follow your own. And as unfortunately expected, I've not heard back from anybody. Um, but who knows? I, I'm going to continue to beat that drum. I, I welcome any organization. You don't have to be an Arizona organization. You don't have to be an international organization. What you have to do is care about a case that could be yours, could be your son's, could be your grandson's, could be somebody you care about in his situation. And that's what we got to change, folks. And if we change it in Arizona, uh, you know, we talk about Kansas a lot and, and what a horrid place it is, Oklahoma, we talk about sometimes. Um, but Arizona is almost worse because Arizona passed a law many years ago that's supposed to allow for this. And yet every time I hear about a case in Arizona, it goes bad. Um, and, you know, very few cases does the defendant come out victorious, even when they have support. Uh, we believe that we've had an effect on the severity of sentencing and the severity of, of you know, some of the consequences. But I still, more often than not, if you get hooked up in Arizona, you're going to have a problem. And so um, that's what we need to change, folks. You know, they don't seem to care about their own laws. Um, all right, so let's begin here. And let's go through and look at – now, I have made a request to get a transcript of the trial and a transcript of the appeal. Uh, but what we do have is a document that was sent to me that is um, – this, this is kind of an, a, a brief that – talks about the court or the hearing from the court. And I'm going to just kind of read this or skim through it. And so this is the State versus Caitlin decision of the court. This is the the unpublished decision is what this is in the Arizona uh, Court of Divi Court of Appeals Division 2. Kyle Leslie Kate, Caitlin appellant filed January 19, 2017. This is an unpublished decision. So it does say right here this decision does not create legal precedent and may not be cited except as authorized by applicable rules, not for publication. So this is, um, you know, when an appellate court rules, they have a choice to publish it or not to publish it. And if they feel that their decision clarifies an existing law um, in a way that hasn't been done before, they may decide to uh, publish it. In many, most cases, they don't. All right, so we got uh, memorandum decision. Presiding Judge Howard authorized the decision of the court, in which uh, Chief Judge Eckerstrom and Judge Vasquez concurred. So, um, how appellate court works is there's a panel of judges. So, in a criminal case, there is uh, one judge who 
is the court, and you address the judge as the court, and the judge represents the court. He um, maintains order in the court. He uh, has a lot of power. He also has the power to make a mistake, and that's why they have an appellate court. Now, the appellate court is typically a three-judge panel, and I think it could be more, but typically, as far as I know, um, there are three judges, three-judge panels. Mm-hmm. And so um, what they do is there might be six or seven or eight judges in that district, and what they'll do is randomly select three to sit on every case. And so in my case, there was three judges that sat up there. Um, and the appellate court, I don't know if they're all the same, but it was one of these sort of grand courtrooms that the, the judges sat up on really high um, really high benches, and the courtroom was huge. And um, it was uh, one of those situations where you go, wow, this is – Really a shock and awe situation. These three people, um, you know, have a tremendous amount of power. And the appellate court is one of these things where uh, most of the work that happens, happens written. And so uh, the appealing party will submit a brief that outlines their position, and then the opposing party gets a chance to file a responding brief that, you know, that responds to all of their points, and then the appellant uh, gets a chance to have the final word, and then um, the court will review this, and they'll decide, and I, I don't know if they're bound to allow oral arguments. I don't think they are, but I think most of the time they do grant them. And so um, they give an opportunity for both parties to argue uh, their points, and um, it's usually, you know, it's a, it's an abbreviated version of the brief. Um, the point that they're supposed to do is explain any shortcomings of their briefs or, you know, if there's anything, I don't know that they're able to bring up anything that wasn't uh, submitted in their briefs, but it, it gives them a chance to articulate their position one final time and then the judges go back to their chambers. They they may or may not issue uh, a statement. Um, they, in my case, they did, um, but sometimes they don't say much. Sometimes they say a lot. And then sometime in the future, they'll issue their ruling, uh, their their opinion, and that is um, that's that's the law. That's how it works. So once they issue their opinion. Um, if it if they rule in favor for the appellant, then um, it will overturn whatever decision that was being appealed, and then it goes back to whatever place it was prior to that. So if somebody is convicted in a trial and they feel they were wrongly convicted, they file an appeal and they are granted that appeal, they don't they're not free. They get to have another trial, and so just to be very clear on what the appellate court does. It doesn't say you're a free man. If you're locked up, it will say you don't have to be locked up anymore, um, but the court can still issue a bail and and whatever, however it wants to. So um, just to be really clear. So what happened was 
Kyle was convicted um, in one case, and he took a plea deal in the second case because he was already convicted, and he knew he didn't have a chance of beating the second case if he didn't beat the first case. And um, he felt he didn't get a fair shake, but in the deal, uh, I guess he got a lesser sentence in the first case, so essentially he got the sum total of the longest sentence, which was about two years. Um, he filed this appeal, and this is how the decision went down. So I did want to give a little history about our, our explanation about how an appellate court works, um, and that way what I'm going to read after this makes more sense. All right, so this is a statement from Howard, uh, Judge Howard, the presiding judge. And there's in any court there's going to be a presiding judge, which is kind of the poobah. He's the guy that is um, the first place things will go to. And it says, after a jury trial, Kyle Caitlin was convicted of possession of marijuana for sale, uh, attempted production of marijuana, and possession of drug paraphernalia. He was sentenced to two concurrent prison terms, the longest of which is two years. Um, counsel has filed a brief in compliance with Anders versus California, blah, 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 asserting he has reviewed the record but found no arguable, no arguable issue to raise on appeal. Consistent with Clark, blah, 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 he's provided a detailed and factual and procedural history of the case with citations to the record and asked the court to search the record for error. Caitlin has filed a supplemental brief raising various arguments. Viewing the evidence in the light most favorable to sustaining the jury's verdict, see State versus Templin, sufficient evidence supports them here. In April 12th, police officers stopped Caitlin for a traffic violation. He was carrying nearly $4,000 in cash and about two ounces of marijuana, as well as medical marijuana caregiver card, allowing him to possess 2.5 ounces of marijuana, but not to cultivate. A search of his resident uncovered about two pounds of additional marijuana, an amount consistent with possession for sale, particularly in light of the amount of cash in his possession, over 100 marijuana plants and materials for cultivating and packaging. His sentences are within the statutory range, and were properly imposed. Okay, so that was the statement of the presiding judge. The decision of the court. In his supplemental brief, Caitlin makes various arguments related to the application of the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act to his prosecution. And um, they cite a point of the AMMA, and it says it provides immunity for registered designated caregiver assisting registered qualified patient to whom he is connected through the department's registration process with registered qualified patient medical use of the marijuana pursuant to this chapter. So they're basically saying if you're following the rules and you're taking care of a patient and you're a caregiver, the allowable amount for a registered caregiver is 2.5 ounces per registered patient. Um, and it says, thus, as the court has explained, marijuana possession and use are illegal in Arizona, and if the protections are not available, if the card holder fails to comply with the above condition, uh, basically you're out of luck. 
And that was a big part of this. So Kyle argues that the state could not prosecute him because his card had not been revoked. And they rejected that argument. They find no statutory uh, rule that says we have to accept your uh, statement as a caregiver. Um, So Kyle is correct that a cardholder is subject to revocation, but they're saying that it doesn't have to be revoked to lose your status as a as a as a caregiver. And and um, they're Kyle's basically saying that he was supposed to be protected by this law, and the state's saying, "Too bad, you lose." Um, Caitlin additionally contends that he's entitled to receive donations, in quotes, for marijuana as a caregiver, and they rejected that argument. They're saying that uh, uh, he interpreted it wrong, and even if he was right, that he even if he could um, solicit donations, that that would be irrelevant because he had too much. Um, Caitlin next argues that he was prevented from proving that he did not possess more than the amount allowed because the state improperly stored the marijuana seized. And so he's saying that (coughs) they took a whole bunch of plants and weighed them up, as we know they do, probably soil, stems, and all, um, and determined from that that there was two pounds or whatever they said it was. Um, And he's saying that it wasn't tested for its moisture content. It wasn't. He wasn't able to show that the vast majority of it was not usable, and there's no record of it now. So he's saying that had he been able to raise these issues, which sometimes in California they let you, sometimes they don't, he's saying that he would have been able to prove that he had a reasonable amount for his position. He also makes uh, various arguments related to a motion to suppress evidence based on the property of the traffic stop and the search of his person during that traffic stop and incriminating statements he made to investigating officers. His arguments taken as a whole are nothing more than a request that we reweigh the evidence as presented at suppression hearing. We will not do so. So what they're doing basically is they're saying, the appellate court's basically saying, no, everything's good. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, here's another uh, the end of this thing. Finally, Caitlin identifies several instances of what he claims constitute trial error. We've reviewed the alleged errors and conclude that none warrant relief. And pursuant to our obligation under Am- Anders, we have searched the record for fundamental error and found none. We therefore affirm Caitlin's convictions and sentences. And so... What we're really going to need to do this thing properly is going to be a lot of work. Um, we need a transcript of his case, and we also need a transcript of his um, appeal brief, and uh, we need the case law that they're citing, and we need to spend some time with it. So I think that um, that's kind of where we should drop it here. We need I to think get a hold of his brother have, then, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to reach out to his brother again. I have his phone number. I've been fairly – it's been fairly easy for me to reach to him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I did ask him specifically for uh, the, these transcripts, but I really haven't gotten a solid answer back yet. Um, the next thing that we're going to need, and if you look at the uh, petition that um, the normal people did, mm-hmm. I we have it somewhere. I'm not looking. I thought I had it in the file that I have I open just right now, it. I don't. I just reread it yeah. right before the show. So it's essentially what we need to do is to to create a uh, a motion that says we want to file an amicus curiae. This is who we are. And so mm-hmm. we're going to need to draft a, a significant document that lays out our uh, you know, legitimacy as an organization, um, and we'll talk about our 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 reach, our longevity, um, you know, the the cases that we've been part of, um, and um, you know everything that we can. But that's going to take a minute to really kind of put that together, and then we have to we have to put together. Um, the points that we wish to argue before we can file that motion, because that's even if we apparently what we really should do is actually submit our brief along with our um, request for it to be heard, so that they can yes. review it and determine that uh, um, yes, we'll go ahead and grant that based on we've seen it and we think it's reasonable. So it, I it, and I don't I think, think we, we have to do such a long um, request to allow us to put a brief in as normal did. Normal's was, I think, extraordinarily long. Yeah, I think, yeah, there, theirs was a little bit uh, grandiose. and I don't, I don't think, think we need to do necessary. that. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, and once I we agree. have this, it's going to be really helpful for a lot of different things, this Absolutely. initial introduction and of ourselves so, and why we're valid. and yeah. yeah, Yeah, we'll be able to use that. As a as a preface for other documents, other elements yep. of the legal clinic. So um, that's the deal. Um, so I think what we should do is go ahead and wrap the show up for now. And um, let's resume this next week. But I do want to, uh, you know, get some get some. People willing to help out. If you're willing to help out this this project, I, I it's kind of heartbreaking that you know when this case was going on, there was a lot of people that were um, you know saying they were going to participate, and um, I even had a couple of people reach out to me about about joining um, our show, our call, and never heard from them. So um, you know, Kyle's locked up in prison right now for a bogus. Um, so-called crime, and whether he technically violated some statute or not um, really shouldn't matter to you. What really should matter is that Arizona has a law that is supposed to protect people, and rather than erring on the side of protecting people, they uh, summarily decided he was guilty of a crime and locked him up, and that's where he sits right Mm -hmm. now. And it could be you, it could be somebody you love, um, that's just how it is. So, um, 
you know, it's 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 uh, even if it's just two or three people that dig in and make this thing happen, it's going to happen. Uh, the more people that participate, likely the better it'll be. I would really like for this to be um, a world-class document, and I would really like this thing to uh, be able to stand on its own wherever we go and to be able to use this to be um, a model for other cases and, um, you know, this to be sort of a, um, a hallmark of some of the things that we're able to bring to the table. So that all being said, I think that's what we've got for today, folks. Um, it happens every once in a while. Some shows go long. This one's going to cut a little short. Um, thank you very much, Becca, for jumping in on this. And, again, if you want to um, participate in this Amicus Curie project, you will send an email to Becca Nichols at – go ahead and give your address again, if you would. T-H-S-I, Becca, N, at gmail.com. And I'm going to start roughing out the request for – them accepting our brief. I'm going to start roughing that out on our Google Doc. So Excellent. That's what well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start researching the case law that they have referred to um, in the in their decision, so that we have a point of reference um, to mm-hmm. the case law that's been cited, and we'll go from there. All right. All right. Beautiful. Thank you all for being part of the show, and we will see you next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said, Don, you were always on my